You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review for Tuesday, April 26, 2022. I'm Cutta Babcock. And I'm Ellie Shannon. And you're tuned in to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, Kira McKinley goes over campus news with updates on the opening of the Nutrien Building. Then, Ellie Shannon covers local news with details on the arrest of a Fort Collins man for sexual assault. Then, Cota Babcock goes over new updates in COVID-19 statistics and policies and speaks to Maya Feller, a nutritionist and Instacart partner, about how online grocery shopping creates better habits. Then, I go over information on the details of a probe into racism in the Minneapolis Police Department and updates on the committee investigating the U.S. Capitol attacks. After that, we hear from KCSU Live and Local with local band Tiny Humans. Eliza Drotar goes over updates in CSU sports, including details on track and field. To conclude today's show, I explain updates on technology with details on Elon Musk buying Twitter for $44 billion. Let's move right into campus and local news. This is Kira McKinley reporting your campus news for Thursday, April 28th. The Rocky Mountain Student Media Corporation won 10 Regional Mark of Excellence Awards from the Society of Professional Journalists, according to CSU Source News. RMSMC was even a finalist for all-around best student newspaper. The executive producer for CTV, Krista McAllister, expressed her gratitude for these awards. Quote, It's great to be nationally recognized for what we do, and our dedication and hard work. But what I am most proud of is seeing how much our team has learned and grown throughout the year. End quote. The winner and finalists of these rewards are Noelle Mason, Tree Dung, Hattie Williams, Grayson Reed, Devin Cornelius, Milo Gladstone, Skylar Perdon, Natalie Devereaux, Kenneth Frederick, Robbie Patella, Tom Isaacson, and Ren Wadsworth. In other news, a Colorado State University professor, Dominique David Chavez, will speak at the House Committee on Science, Space, and Technology hearing, Now or Never, The Urgent Need for Ambitious Climate Action, according to CSU Source News. David Chavez will, quote, provide an overview of recent reports involving the disproportionate impacts on Indigenous people and marginalized communities, recognizing and including Indigenous knowledges and recommendations for the role and resources of the federal government in developing community-based research, end quote. The Nutrient Agricultural Science Building at CSU opens to the public on May 3rd. Currently, CSU is in the process of getting the technology systems in the building up and running fully, so the building can support students and faculty. There will be summer classes held in this building during the upcoming term, though, according to Piper Russell of the Collegian. Thank you for listening to my CSU Campus News Updates. I'm Kira McKinley, now on to local news. This is Ellie Shannon with your local news. Larimer County commissioners have enacted fire restrictions ahead of the weekend when the county predicted to have hurricane-level winds. Campfires, outdoor smoking, and other activities that are more likely to start a wildfire in unincorporated Larimer County are being restricted by commissioners Kristen Stevens and Jody Shiduk McNally. To look at all the activities that will be restricted this weekend, visit coloradoan.com. Elevated lead levels were found in the water of a mobile home park in Fort Collins. The park, located off East Harmony Road, has issued two boil order notices in the last five months. After the second notice, three residents requested that the city test their water for lead contamination. Testing found lead levels beyond federal drinking water standards in one water sample from the park, but follow-up tests found no detectable lead. According to J.C. Marmaduke of the Coloradoan, the city doesn't have any known lead service lines and is working on identifying and replacing all galvanized service lines and lead goosenecks, 
Colorado's Water Quality Control Division will handle any further investigation of the potential water contamination. Police have safely arrested an uncooperative armed man wanted for sexually assaulting children. In late 2021, Fort Collins police detectives received a report of repeated assaults that occurred several years earlier. In a press release from the city of Fort Collins, they announced the suspect was identified as Dakota Colvin, who was 19 at the time. Colvin was reported to have sexually assaulted two young children during the summer of 2016. A warrant was issued for Colvin's arrest this month after a lengthy investigation. Police contacted Colvin, but he was uncooperative and armed. A canine was deployed and police were able to safely arrest Colvin on charges such as sexual assault on a child by one in a position of trust, felony menacing, and resisting arrest. Anyone with information about this incident may contact Detective Justin Butler at 970-221-6340. That's all for your local news. Thanks for listening to the Rocky Mountain Review every Tuesday and Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. I'm Ellie Shannon, and this is KCSU on 90.5 FM. We'll be right back. Hey, what's up? It's DJ Marmalade from Tea Party, a weekly Thursday show from 1 to 3 p.m. where we can kick back in our fancy armchairs, sip some Earl Grey tea, and listen to some hot tunes. back on the Rocky Mountain Review. If you missed any part of Campus and Local News with Kira McKinley and Ellie Shannon, check out our podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to listen back at KCSU News. I'm Kuda Babcock, and these are COVID-19 updates for Thursday. Colorado State University reports around 8,300 cases of COVID-19 since reporting began in May 2020. Seven new cases were reported yesterday among students, with three new cases reported among staff and faculty at CSU. Masks are no longer required on CSU's Fort Collins campus, with the exception of some buildings like the CSU Health Network. Case discrepancies are available on the covid.colostate.edu website, with no explanation for why cases have gone down in the past week in the cumulative total. Larimer County reports low COVID-19 community transmission levels, along with over 81,000 COVID-19 cases and 487 deaths. The county's seven-day case rate is around 130 cases per 100,000 residents, based on data reported this morning. 7% of tests administered in Larimer County came back positive in the past week, and new COVID-19 hospital admissions remain low. COVID-19 patients take up less than 1% of local inpatient hospital beds. The state of Colorado reports over 1.3 million cases of COVID-19, along with over 13,000 deaths. 
4.8 million people have been tested in Colorado for COVID-19, with overall hospitalizations at around 62,000. 10.6 million vaccines have been administered in the state, and over 4 million Coloradans are fully vaccinated. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention report over 80.9 million cases of COVID-19 and nearly 990,000 deaths nationally. Over 82% of the eligible U.S. population is at least partially vaccinated against COVID-19. Cases are beginning to go down nationally, while deaths are steadily increasing. I'm Koda Babcock, and that's all for Thursday's COVID-19 updates. Information from this segment comes from Colorado State University, Larimer County, the Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, and the CDC. If you're a student, staff member, or faculty member at CSU, visit covid.colostate.edu to submit vaccine information and get the most recent information on COVID-19 at the university. During the pandemic, many grocery stores began promoting online shopping as a safer way to handle a weekly grocery run. Today, I'm joined by registered dietitianist nutritionist Maya Feller to discuss how this option served for another purpose. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And can you tell us a little bit about the trends and how online grocery shopping shifted purchasing options for many customers? Yeah. So, you know, as a registered dietitian, I'm so interested in the role that online grocery delivery services, especially like Instacart has, helps, you know, people increase their access to nourishing foods. And it also helps them meet their health and nutrition goals. And so what we've seen kind of coming out of the shutdown portion of the pandemic is that folks who are shopping online find that they're actually making healthier choices and they're actually really shopping for foods that they want to have in their home and then consuming those foods that they shop for, in turn, increased health outcomes. So how did online shopping support people not only in choosing healthier options, but maintaining those eating styles? So there was this really compelling um, survey, a Harris Poll survey that Instacart conducted. And what they found was that 81% of respondents, they said that grocery shopping helped them make those healthier choices. And 45% said that they stuck to a list. So it's a combination of meal planning, thinking ahead, utilizing all of the parts of the app. For example, you talked about, you know, eating styles and patterns. One of the things that shoppers can do within the Instacart app is shop directly from recipes. So they can go to partner sites like Eating Well or Real Simple, and they can choose recipes that, you know, fit whatever their palate is, and then shop directly from those recipes. And then if they favorite it, then it goes directly into their list and they can access it time and time again. Why do you think that options like that really helped people avoid going for processed foods compared to in-person shopping where they would have to make that list themselves, stick to it themselves, and might get influenced by the things they see around them? So, you know, when we're online and we're shopping like in front of our computer and we're shopping from a list, we're really making a mindful and intentional purchase. And I always like to remind people that when we're thinking about nutrition patterns on the whole, it's kind of what we do over time rather than a standalone moment. And so if we're thinking about, okay, how do I get more produce into my house? Well, we can lean into things like boxed or jarred or canned or frozen. And that's a great way to have more produce instead of saying like, oh, you know, those things are no good for me. 
but they're a cost-saving way to have the produce come into the home. So I think we can use those types of tips and tricks um, to make choices that we feel good about and ones that are really kind of, we can replicate over and over again. In your personal work, did you notice any benefits to your clients specifically in choosing new types of foods that might naturally include healthy fats or more protein compared to previous meals that they would have stuck to? Absolutely. So one of the things that I always talk to people about is thinking outside of the foods that they commonly eat, right? So how can you include international cuisine in your meal prep or your planning? For example, there's an, like, you know, Korean food is delicious. You know, what are the different Korean inspired meals that you can purchase? You can go into the Instacart app and you can look for like international or specialty stores and then get all the ingredients. And then it really expands what we think of as healthy. And it also keeps us engaged with our food, right? Because you mentioned, okay, so how do we cook more at home? How do we have some agency over the things that we're consuming? Flavor, boost the flavor, expand your palate. It, it keeps it interesting and also really fun. Definitely. And how do you think that online grocery shopping influences people to engage in behaviors like meal prepping, which you mentioned earlier, which really prevents people from going for takeout and microwave meals? Yeah. So I think that when we know what we're going to eat in advance, and I say this often to my patients, when food sneaks up on us, it's a surprise. (laughs) We don't know what we're going to get, right? But if we've planned ahead and it's something that's enticing and colorful and full of flavor, then we're like, ah, I'm really actually looking forward to lunch as opposed to, oh no, what am I going to have? And then you're just kind of grabbing for anything. Many people kind of have this understanding that healthy food is more expensive all the time and often less filling than processed food. Can you explain your take on this and how you think that Instacart is supporting people in switching to healthier options, even if they're on a budget? Okay, we just have to be honest, right? Food costs are on the rise right now. It's undeniable. We have to get creative. If we want to have foods come into our house that are affordable, we want to shop deals, we want to take advantage of coupons, we want to take a look at sales, and the Instacart app supports all of that. And as I said before, really leaning into boxed, jarred, frozen, canned items, read those nutrition facts labels, make an intentional choice. If you want green beans and you're just purchasing frozen green beans, right, without added sugar, salts, and fats. The other thing, too, that I say is, you know, when there's a sale, you can purchase in bulk and you can process yourself at home. Let's say berries are on sale. Last week, I think the berries were on sale for like $2.99 here in New York, which is a deal considering that right now they can be a little bit more. Buy a couple extra boxes, put them in a freezer safe bag, and now you have frozen berries. As a nutritionist, you've partnered with Instacart, who you mentioned a couple times. Can you explain your decision to become a partner with them and how you think it's benefited your patients? So, you know, I only choose partners that I believe in and also services that I use myself. And I do use online grocery shopping. And another reason that I chose to partner with Instacart is because of their social impact, right? It's really important for me that nutrition is accessible to people across the country. When we're thinking about 
food security, we know that that's the lane to nutrition security. And Instacart, they have, you know, really made food more accessible to people who are utilizing EBT and SNAP benefits. And, you know, I work with a population and have for years where food security is something that is top of mind. And we know that when people are experiencing food insecurity, that they are more likely to have access to an abundance of fast and processed foods with added sugar, salts, and fats. But with the Instacart app, you know, where it's available, people can utilize those benefits. It's a dignified way for them to have access to safe, affordable, nutritious foods, also brand name foods, because research tells us that people want foods that they know and that they can trust and they can shop for them in a way that feels good. And they can, you know, they can be proud of using those benefits. And then as you mentioned, food insecurity, does Instacart currently partner with any organizations like local food banks? And would you like to see them do it in the future? I don't have the full list of all the partner organizations. Um, and I, what I would say is you could head to instacart.com to get that information. But I do know that there is a major social impact team and they're really thinking about what is the, what's the impact of an organization that really is develop, is, is delivering wellness to the masses, right? This is de delivering food, right? We all need food and they're taking it very seriously, their role kind of around the nation. What do you think is kind of the most unexpected benefit that you've noticed from online grocery shopping so far? Time, time saved. The most unexpected benefit is time saved. I personally, I mean, I've been online grocery shopping for years and I find like, A, it's less stressful and I've got much more time. In that same survey that I mentioned before, the Harris Poll survey, they found that 50% of people who shopped online, they said that they used that time that they saved to hang out with friends and family. And I know for me right now, I want to spend all my time with friends and family because we've been isolated, right? I want to be in community with them. I want to be sharing food with them. And the other thing that people did was also cook, right? So I want to spend time with my friends and family. I want to cook. And that's something that I'm encouraging my patients to do as well. All right. Do you have anything else you'd like to add today? Yeah. The last thing that I'd like to say is that, you know, when we're thinking about building a pattern of eating, I always ask people to honor their individual culture, right? To think about who they are and the foods that they want to show up on their plate. And I say that the definition of healthy is really expansive. Think about what you can add to what you're consuming rather than what you take away. Thank you so much for your time today. Thank you. Have a wonderful day. For those just tuning in, that was registered dietitian nutritionist Maya Feller, an Instacart partner, who we just spoke to us about health trends related to online grocery shopping. We'll be right back.
Hey y'all, it's DJ Moose. Tune in today from 5 to 7 in the evening to hear my show Moose Crossing, where I bring a wide selection of songs to kick off your Thursday evening. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Kota Babcock for KCSU News, and these are national news highlights for Thursday. Over 100,000 pounds of ground beef was recalled for potential E. coli contamination. Joe Hernandez from National Public Radio reports that the beef comes from Lakeside Refrigerated Services in Swedesboro, New Jersey. The meat may be contaminated with the O103 strain of E. coli, which is harder to identify than other strains. While no cases of illness related to meat consumption have been reported yet, the U.S. Department of Agriculture's Food Safety and Inspection Service is urging those who purchase potentially impacted meat to throw it out or return it to the grocery store they bought it from. Products labeled with establishment number 46841 that were produced between February 1st and April 8th fall under the recall. E. coli-related illness usually comes about three to four days after consumption. Symptoms include diarrhea and vomiting, but infection can become more severe and include kidney failure. The chairman of the panel investigating the U.S. Capitol riots in 2021 will be holding public hearings this summer. Patricia Zengerl and Jan Wolf from Reuters report that public hearings on Congress's official probe are expected to happen in June, with a final report coming out in the fall, according to the panel's chairman. This timetable pushes the hearings back from early spring, but Reuters says the panel would still be able to release findings ahead of midterm elections. Around 800 people associated with the Trump administration or the attack were interviewed during the investigation by the committee, and Republicans are expected to shut the committee down if they believe results will interfere with an upcoming election. Republicans are expected to gain seats during the next election, according to Reuters, so the results being released so close to the election day could impact whether or not Congress members who've publicly supported the rioters at the U.S. Capitol or otherwise been involved will be re-elected. A man believed to be an informant was found dead on a high school campus in Los Angeles. Matthew Rodriguez from CBS News reports that a cleaning crew found Valentin Brokesmith's body. Brokesmith was 45 years old and was believed to be working with federal authorities to investigate Deutsche Bank's activities with former President Donald Trump. His body was found just around 7 in the morning Monday, with him being declared dead under 30 minutes after his body was found. He was last seen on April 6th of last year and wasn't again seen until his body was found this week. Brokesmith struggled with substance abuse, and a journalist who'd previously covered issues involving the informant said he doesn't suspect foul play in the death. There is no video surveillance showing Brokesmith coming into the high school's campus, so police are unsure how long his body had been there or how he got there. The following story involves a discussion of racism and police brutality. The story is about a minute long. A probe into the Minneapolis Police Department following the death of George Floyd found discrimination by officers. Steve Karnowski and Mohamed Ibrahim from the Associated Press report that the investigation found evidence of stopping and arresting black people more often than white people, maintaining a culture where racist language is used and tolerated, and using force more often on people of color than white people. The report was released last Wednesday and details incidents of this behavior for at least 10 years. The Minnesota Department of Human Rights conducted the almost two-year investigation into the department with plans to work with the city to address these issues with a court-enforceable agreement. In addition to other issues, the probe found that the police department used, quote, covert social media to surveil black individuals and black organizations unrelated to criminal activity, end quote. That's all for national news. I'm Kota Babcock for KCSU News. Up next, we're going to be hearing from the Live and Local podcast, and you can find the full episode at kcsufm.com slash podcasts. You are listening to the Live and Local podcast, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. 
I'm your host, DJ D-Lone. On April 24th, we brought in Tiny Humans, a band based out of Denver. We're just going to get right into it with their song, Billy's Fast Food Hell. listening to 90.5 KCSU that was Tiny Humans with Billy's Fast Food Hell. Chris, you wanted to tell us a little bit about what that song is about? So, I uh, wrote that song back in like 2016 and it was about when I was homeless and I was living in a shelter called New Genesis off of 17th and Sherman and it wasn't a very fun experience. Yeah, that's where that song came from. So this this next song, reconnoitering the the rim, and reconnoitering the rim, <laughs> and you were telling us the name of that song came from a TV show. Oh yeah, from Deadwood. Uh, I was watching Deadwood, and then uh, there's an episode called Reconnoitering the Rim, and it just kind of got stuck on my head. We went to practice later that day, and we, Chris was like, "I have this new song. What do we call it?" And I just kind of blurted it out, and it he was like, "That's kind of like torture because of my stutter," and I was like, "Well." deal with it and so we <laughs> <laughs> it's a good name for a song though i really like i like it. i had to i had to google it um and it basically means to like search the perimeter you know like just do a lap yeah and i think that's it's apt you know that song it's a lap right you know no it's three chords <laughs> well we do it we do a lap right? true we 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 lap those chords that's right we lap those chords is there anything else about this song that you uh you want to tell us about i mean i guess i wrote it as a way to like explain to my partner why I don't always want to get out of bed. Okay. I like that. I like yeah. That. Sometimes yeah. you got to put it in a song, right? You know? I mean, 
My my partner's rad. Jules is amazing. They're super su- supportive. I think we signed a contract saying we couldn't we couldn't support any of our partners. Oh. Just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's an NDA. We we signed an NDA about our partners. I didn't sign an NDA. <laughs> All right, you're listening to 90.5 KCSU. I've got Tiny Humans in the studio today, and they're about to play their song, Reconnoitering the Rim.
You are listening to 90.5 KCSU. My name is DJ DeLone, and we're in the studio today with Tiny Humans. Just heard a few songs from them, Reconnoitering the Rim, and then Julie's Fast Food Hell. Okay, cool. So, Chris, I met you, I want to say, over the summer last year at one of the Blast and Scrap shows. Now, how long have you been playing music? So, I've been playing music ever since I was like 15. I grew up in D.C., so I was really familiar with the DC punk scene. I mean, I found out about bad the brains before I found out about bands like Green Day. So um, that's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. It, it's very <laughs> interesting. I tell pe- people that, and they're all like, "What? How?" I'm like, "I grew up in DC. It was everywhere." Huh. Um, okay. Now, around what age did you start playing music? I I was about 15 when I first started playing guitar. And then I was about 17 when I first started playing shows. Okay, cool. And in that time, were you kind of writing your own music? Are you doing covers and stuff? I was being lame and learning Nirvana songs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, who doesn't love Nirvana? True. True. Solid band. How about you guys? David, how'd you start? How'd you uh, get into music in the first place? And like, when did you start playing? You know, uh, cassettes got me into music in the first place. Uh, I had a couple of cassettes, put them in there in the pool of players, hit the play button. It was like to the races from there. I'm telling you what. This guy's sense of humor is just like taking over on me. (laughs) You know what? I I, I tend to do that when I don't have a good answer. I just I just act like a jerk. Um, No, I you know, honestly, I listened to uh, a lot of MTV when I was a kid. And uh, I remember what I'm like 38 now. So like I remember a lot of these like kind of great bands as they were like just first coming out. I don't know. New edition on MTV, you know, some video that I'm like eight watching and then it ends up being like you know legendary bands and stuff like that i I really i just uh enjoyed the time period i came from i think yeah yeah how about you uh top that (laughs) uh i started playing drums at 11 uh joining like concert band and stuff in school and i started my first like outside of school band like at 14 15 in my mom's basement hi mom and then like i moved here almost nine nine ten years ago and then I've just been trying to find new people to, to play with out here. Fun but, fact, he's still looking for new people to play with. Every day. <laughs> you can hit me up on Instagram at space underscore Lord and just slide into the DMs. I'm willing to quit this band tomorrow. <laughs> I'm kidding. Yo, I'm same. Right. We're, we're all... <laughs> now, uh, Chris, when I first saw you play with Tiny Humans, didn't have a bass player with you. I don't know. You were just not able to make it for that show. And then you had a different drummer. So Tiny Humans has kind of gone through a few different iterations throughout its lifespan. So our first dr- drummer was a person named Lias. They they are a great person. They're super and they're super nice. They had stuff come come up in their life to to where this became too much of a like hassle, and yeah, we are still friends and all that. We still talk. I still love in them. As far as a bassist goes, I didn't have a bassist, and I've known Dave for a quite a while. Ever since I played in a band called Sliver, I played with his other band called called Swindling Hearts and. He's taking pictures of in my old band. And I went to go grab coffee with, with, and with him. And I randomly said I needed a bassist. And I was looking for a bassist. And Dave was like, yo, I, I'll do it. And I was like, we're like that. Exactly like, like that. Like hey, guys, I'll do it. That's, that was me. So, <laughs> that was me. Hey. Oh, God, that is me. 
And <laughs> when Leah's had to leave, Dave was talking about Zach. I had never met Zach. I thought that Zach was going to hate me. But I love Zach. Zach's, 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 oh. Zach's, Zach's, Zach's a great person. He's a great drummer. It's really nice to be around. Nice. Uh, so during the break, we were kind of talking about how these songs are, you know, about relationships and politics. And that's what this next one's about, right? Yes. Relationships and politics. What's the name of this song? It's called Salt and Sand. Salt and Sand. You are listening to 90.5 KCSU. My name is DJ DeLone. I got tiny humans in the studio today. They're going to get going on their song, Salt and Sand.
You're listening to Live and Local here at 90.5 KCSU. We've got tiny humans in the studio today. So we're on Instagram. It's tinyhumans123 at tinyhumans123. Yeah, we're on Instagram. You can find us there. We have a few shows coming up. We have a show at Goosetown on April 30th. We're playing at Lion's Lair on May 5th. We have a show at the Triple Nickel in Colorado Springs on the 21st of May, June 23rd. We're back up here. We are playing at Surfside. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thank you so much, guys, for coming in. Chris, Zach, David, all you guys. uh, Thank you for having the desk. I like it. Thank you. It creates a little separation. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the Live and Local Podcast, a podcast brought to you by 90.5 KCSU. I'm your host, DJ D. Lone, and you just listened to Tiny Human, band based out of Denver. Thank you for listening to 90.5 KCSU. Hello there. You're tuned in to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. I'm MC Asher. Howdy. My name is Eliza Drotard. This is your RMR Sports Report. In women's softball, the team is 14-23, and 23, losing all three games to Fresno State this weekend. They will be playing against Nevada at home this weekend. In track and field, the team took part in the Doug Max Invitational hosted by your CSU Rams and took 22 first-place finishes and 40-plus podium finishes. They are competing in the Fresno Invitational this week. In women's golf, the team took 8th out of ninth in the Mountain West Championship, and in men's golf, they took part in the Ping BYU Cougar Classic and took 3rd. They go to the Mountain West Championship this weekend. In women's tennis, the team is 14-7, and and they won their last four matches against Boise State, Utah State, Wyoming, and Nevada. They will be playing in the Mountain West Tournament starting on Thursday. If you're interested in any last-minute CSU events, you can go to csurams.evenu.net to get your tickets for the last couple home games that we have left before our season ends. My name is Eliza Drotar. This has been your RMR Sports Report. This is Ellie Shannon with your tech news. Elon Musk, the world's richest person, will soon own Twitter after his $44 billion offer. On Monday, Twitter announced it would accept the offer. Musk plans to make a few changes to the social media platform, such as loosening up rules on free speech. According to NPR News, Musk stated that social media networks should not remove comments that, while offensive, are still legal. An edit button to edit tweets, combating bot armies, and getting rid of advertisements are other ideas that Musk is trying to put into action. 
There has also been other news of Musk possibly reinstating former President Trump on Twitter after he was permanently suspended from the platform. No final decisions have been made yet. DJI, the world's top drone maker, will temporarily stop doing business in Russia and Ukraine. The decision comes after Ukrainian authorities claimed that Chinese-made drones were being used by the Russian military. DJI has repeatedly said that it opposes any military use of its products. According to CNN News, the Ukrainian Vice Prime Minister Mihailo Fedorov posted an open letter on Twitter last month to Frank Wayne, DJI's founder and CEO. In the letter, he alleged that Russian troops were using DJI products in order to navigate missile attacks and called on the company to stop doing business in Russia until the violence stopped. In a response, DJI stated that they would absolutely deplore any use of their products for harm. Apple has officially opened its self-service repair store, which provides manuals and parts for users seeking do-it-yourself fixes for their iPhones. Over 200 individual parts, such as cameras, batteries, displays, and SIM card trays, are all examples of what the online store will sell. The components for sale are specific to iPhone 12, iPhone 13, and iPhone SE smartphones. It is only available to the United States right now, but it will be available to other countries later this year. Thanks for listening to your tech news. I'm Ellie Shannon, and now here's the weather. Today was warm and mostly cloudy with a high of 75 and a low in the mid 40s with moderate winds. Friday will cool down to a high in the low 60s and a low in the early 40s with cloudy skies and heavy winds of up to 30 miles per hour. Saturday's temperatures will be the same with winds slowing down to about 20 miles per hour. Sunday, expect partly cloudy skies with a high in the mid 60s and a low around 40 degrees. Monday will be about the same, and Tuesday warms up to a high near 80 degrees and a low around 40, with winds around 15 miles per hour. And for Wednesday, tune in Tuesday afternoon from 4 to 5 for the next episode of the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock for KCSU News, and information comes from the Weather Channel. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank our guests today, as well as Portia Cook, Thomas Taylor, David Demuth, Stevie Jones, Hannah Copeland, Bryn McCall, Jack Balsley, London Shell, Hannah Hitchcock, Elliot Hutchinson, Eric Zhang, Brennan Cole, Bridget Bandel, Eliza Droder, Dylan King, Michelle Ellis, Ben Haney, Ben Kruger, Anna Schwabi, Marie Tanksley, Peter Walk, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Allie. And we finally couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you.